Hey, and welcome to the first episode of this new podcast called Cult. This is a podcast about photography, uh, filmmaking, and I would say the life in between. Um, it's Hopefully, it's going to be a very frank and honest podcast. And um, for the first episode, we're talking with um, a photographer from San Francisco. His name is Jake Stengel. Uh, Jake is 32 years old and he's uh, mainly working around the world, traveling, doing lifestyle projects for different clients and is working on a couple of personal projects as well. Um, let me jump straight into it. We had a quick chat about uh, his breakfast, about his cycling and Uh, commercial projects, personal projects, and uh, the motion side of things. So I hope you enjoy the next couple of minutes and stay with me. Episode is coming now. Hey, Jake. Hey, how are you doing? So what what have you been up to today? So I actually woke up at 4.45 this morning for uh, a ride with like... Uh, Let's see. There are probably like 20 people there, something like that. So we, there's this mountain. There's this mountain um, just north of San Francisco. Uh, in a the the county is called Marin County, so it's just over the Golden Gate Bridge. And uh, yeah, so it's it's a ride called Split that happens pretty much every Wednesday. Um, so you have to meet at the bridge at 6:15 or sorry, no, 5:45. So I have to wake up an hour before that because I live across the the city from the bridge. Um, so yeah, but it, I, according to my like odometer, I went 50 miles and 6,000 feet. I don't know what the, I guess it's like 2000 meters, uh, all by nine <laughs> 30. So it's, uh, it's, it's just lovely. I'd really, really like it. And I, it lets me also like come back. I work out of my house. So it lets me mm -hmm. come back home and just feel really okay about like sitting down for a really long time. because I've already like you know like on that ride i chatted with all these you know not everyone but like it's very social and you know you're getting a lot of exercise and you're seeing all these beautiful parts of california and then you stop for coffee and pastries so by the time i've gotten home it's like i've my day has already gone so well and it's yeah. it's only you know some somewhere between like 8 30 to 9 30 depending on when it you know how big the ride is but mm. um yeah especially working working freelance and like not having any studio mates or anything it it, it lets me just it, it feels really it kind of grounds the day and it gives me it starts me off on such a positive note um, are you are you working from so, yeah. home right now Yeah, yeah. I've I've always worked from home. I had a studio for like two years and it was it was fine. Um I just couldn't really justify the cost of it because I was gone like half the year. Yeah. Um and my rent kept going up. So I actually I moved into a new a new home uh like four years ago. And so when I moved into the the place I'm currently at, I, I decided to let go of the studio. It was just desk space. It wasn't like mm -hmm. you know, my own little spot. I I shared it with one other person um so yeah it's got its pros and cons for sure like, it was it was uh, on rocket science uh, back in the days right yeah 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 exactly yeah yeah so that was the one that was before i moved i i've kind of poked through the the brand new issue that came out yesterday but um yeah it's it's such a nice kind of corner of the photo world and it's mm -hmm. you know it's really cool because it's often like folks i know and like half folks i know or you know, an interview with someone I know or, uh, and then half the time it's a photographer or an interview of people I've never heard of before. So it's, yeah. it's both like familiar and enlightening at the same time. That's actually quite funny because that brings me to the first topic. I, um, do you, do you have the feeling that something is really, I mean, in, in the photography world or let's say in movies or filmmaking, is there something really inspiring right now? Um, That's, I mean, that's a good, a really good question. I, you know, I, I'll try to make this answer not super long winded, but I, you know, I, no worries. I kind of, I consider my two of my like closest photographic peers to be uh, Jordy Wood and yeah. Daniel Shea. Um, you know, they're folks I, you know, came up with and really kind of str struggled up upwardly with, uh, mm. you know, in probably the like early, early, you know, 2000. 10 to 2014 or so somewhere in that range and we're still very good friends and i feel like we've the three of us have gone in really really different directions and yeah. you know jordy jordy and daniel i think are a little bit more in the same you know trajectory 
um, you know, more obviously like both on Weber and more in like kind of the fashion realm and with Daniel, you know, taking on not only that, but mixed media and sculpture and, you know, like having a huge art practice. Um, and I've kind of like <laughs> in some ways moved off to like this little like hippie California existence where I shoot, but at the same time I, I do so much outside of, of photography that that is interesting and holds so much weight for me. And, um, you know, I, I think it takes in terms of influence and things that are, you know, exciting me. A lot of it is, um, just kind of staying, uh, just active in, in like multiple different kind of fields and genres. So it's less of my life these days is about photography and more of it is, you know, in cycling or cooking mm. or like having a lot of people who are being really social or traveling. And so those are the things that I would say influence me. I have a much harder time these days, like getting my kicks from just solely going to like a gallery or going on someone's website. Um, so, you know, and everyone's different and I kind of follow that, that, that river and, you know, just see where it takes me. And there are certain, you know, months of the year where I'm, feeling really like almost low in in terms of my my love of photography and i think at those points i really seek out and i kind of feel the need to rekindle some sort of passion that i have for it um and at other times i feel like that you know that reservoir is quite full and i need to be riding a lot or cooking a lot or reading a lot or you know doing yoga like rock climbing the healthy you know, stuff huh yeah and you know and it's kind of funny because you know when i talked to daniel i think we both have you know it's that saying like the grass is always greener on the other side so i think we both have like i look at daniel's art practice and i'm like wow i'm like <laughs> my like i am just nowhere not even in a comparison way but i like i look at it with both admiration and like also yeah but it's a different a field of, you know it's like a different yeah, it feels like a different yeah, practice yeah. and uh yeah. it, it's all another thing um do you think right now that um you know i get the feeling when i'm browsing instagram for example that um there are not many i mean most young photographers actually jump the train of fashion photography right now because it's like the most prominent thing to do or mm -hmm. uh, the presumably more most artistic way in photography do, do mm -hmm. you do you see some upcoming photographers right now that that really interest you or is it just um you know there's actually this woman who um God, i'll have to actually look up her i don't even know her last name and i don't even know if she really shoots a lot um you know kind of professionally yeah um but yeah i mean just on instagram she's like a a I've actually, I don't know if I've ever met her in person before, but she's this woman, her like Instagram handle is Wabi Sabi, which is like W-A-U-B-I underscore S-A-U-B-I, which is like that Japanese, it's kind of a Japanese like translation. Um, I just really, really, really love her work right now. Um, I, it, there's, it's just like, you know, I feel like especially with, with the advent you know of tumblr and then instagram there's you've there are these stylistic kind of ruts that everyone you know five years ago three years ago it was like everyone was doing you know colored uh you know colored backdrops and like you know in five different colors like kind of you know scattered around a studio and uh, oh and anyway i just remember her her name is aubrey i, I think it's aubrey trindeman but i'm not i have to be totally frank i have no idea what she does in Bellinus at all but uh Bellinus, by the way is a little like it is the epitome of a of a, a a little kind of hippie california town it's about i know by bike it's about a two-hour ride north of san francisco you've been, you've been there by car Yeah, lots of times. It's it's a good like little surfing. It's kind of known for its surfing breaks. Um and it's 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 also known for being extremely kind of cloistered off of most kind of um mainstream society in a way. It's it's fairly I mean I I know the word counterculture is extremely overused, but it like as an example, it's you know, there's this main highway called Highway One that goes up and down the coast. Um Bolinas is off of that. And there's like this kind of legend that every time the the state of California put up a sign um for Bolinas off of Highway One, the the locals would rip it right down. And they did that for like 15 
15 years where like, you know, it was this battle where, you know, <clears throat> they were trying to be, be kept unknown and like under the radar. And you discovered um, it during yeah, cycling I mean, it's, or it's fairly, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a secret or anything. I think they just, you know, wanted to keep the riffraff away and the, you know, the tourists that, you know, it's not some hidden secluded town in, in by any major extent. Um, but it's definitely, it's got its own little feel. It's its own little kind of civilization there. Um, for sure. So I, I ride through there sometimes. I have camped through and slept on the beach there before, uh, like on a, on a hike north. I mean, it's, it's, it's really not terribly far from San Francisco, all things considered. Um, I just know that she, she lives there and she's friends with um, a couple of my friends, including um, this gentleman you probably know named uh, Nick McElroy, who is now living in L.A., so Nick, Nick basically like kind of introduced the two of us. And in terms of Instagram, which is unfortunately, I feel like I don't visit sites, websites the way I used to. It's, that's its own, its own can of worms. But I just really, anytime that she puts up an image on, you know, the gallery that is quasi now, you know, the shitty gallery that is Instagram. Um, I love it. I absolutely love it. She has her own thing going, her own perspective her own color palette her own way of um you know using flash her own times that she thinks you know that she wants to make an image um you know it's i don't feel like she's following anything in the way that i feel like a lot of and this isn't meant as a disrespectful thing but like she is on her own path which i really love and then this other the other artist i'm really inspired by right now is this woman out of Miami who's more of a emotion artist uh, named Dara Friedman. She's one of those kind of slightly more old school artists that doesn't really have a website. Um, like she's fairly well represented in galleries. So most of, most of the work you can find of hers is in galleries. But I went to this um, retrospective of hers. Uh, it was her first kind of solo retrospective um, at this amazing um museum called Perez, uh, God, what it's like Perez art. Uh, it's, it's the acronym is Pam. Um, yeah, Perez art museum, Miami. Uh, and it was just room after room of these extremely, um, visceral, like it, I, it's, you know, sometimes it's hard to describe why you like a certain thing, but it just, it like hit every single one of the pieces that they were exhibiting through, you know, decades of her work hit me in these different ways. It was like acupuncture for my brain, um, where it just was ex just really stimulating. And, you know, there's this dance piece. I've, you know, been working a lot with motion and there was this, um, I mean, pretty much every, she's primarily a motion, you know, motion artist, but, uh, yeah, there was this, I think it's like a 25 minute long piece, uh, that I, I watched on loop twice. Um, I was with my mom, so I, I couldn't like watch it much longer than 50 minutes because I had to go. But uh, yeah, it, that that really, really, you know, I'd, I'd say Aubrey, Dara, and then, um, I mean, music is a, you know, working solo, no studio mates or anything. Music is, uh, it's, uh, you know, I probably listen to seven to eight hours of music a day. Um, and I listen to this, actually a German kind of com electronic composer named Laurel Halo. Um, and her, her music is profoundly, profoundly, um, influential to me and exciting. And it gets, you know, it gets my brain kind of tingling. Um, so yeah, I mean, more, more often than ever, it's, it's not just in, you know, photography, but you know, it, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, I've, I've been more interested in, in being influenced in a much more multifaceted way, um, more than ever lately. Do you think that it happened through Instagram? I mean, Instagram killed maybe the, the the photography practice or the photography showing that we knew before. Is it is it for you like that? Um, I think that's a really good question, and I think that's probably very likely. Um, I, you know, I don't have a major book collection. I, I Instagram, like, I think in I've allowed it. I've I've been able to compartmentalize it in my head as a dumb way of looking at work. Um, you know, it, it's not something I take super seriously. I try to really, you know, sometimes I don't do a good job of limiting my time on it, but I think more than ever, 
you know, I think the thing that has remained the most constant is my approach to how seriously I take it uh, has has never been terribly high. Um, I don't look at it, uh, you know, I look at it as a, that's Facebook essentially as as a kind of a social media tool, and it you know it's I think it's a better way to you know stay in touch with friends or like I, I actually I'm a big fan of. Instagram stories. I, I like the little snippets of life it lets you present. Or you lets don't get any watch. FOMO or something? No, not really. I mean, there are certain people I've definitely muted, and I'm sure people have muted my, you know, oddball things. Uh, but, I, you know, on the whole, I feel like it's given a cool little snippet of, you know, it's, it's allowed everyone to kind of be a short form artist. Um, some people are much better at it than others. And I, you know, I think, you, you know, you can do it well, you can do it not well. Um, I, and I think, you know, I have a little timer on my phone, which, you know, it's like a, a, another app where, you know, I, I've set it so I can't spend more than half an hour on, on Instagram. You know what? You um, know what? I deleted Instagram off my phone. I did it oh, recently yeah. for two weeks and I'm only using it on the desktop with an app, you know, which lets oh, me post. Yeah. yeah. And this is like, this is doing me so good for my psyche, you know, it's like, I'm it's sure, helping me a lot. Yeah, and your time, I'm sure too. I think, I, you know, I definitely have no, no objection to the, you know, the notion that Instagram is kind of, I wouldn't say it's ruined photography by any means and i think it's you know it's allowed me to find people it's allowed you know it, you know it's a double-edged sword it's for example you know with with aubrey um it's allowed me to keep in touch with her work more and be have truly you know kind of fairly vivid you know moments of clarity with you know seeing her work come across my screen and being you know just you know having having the kind of influence that you would hope to have if you went to a gallery or something like yeah, that yeah granted that's maybe two percent of the time um but you know i think in in terms of how i limit my time on it and also my approach of that this is kind of a bit of a joke medium and it's you know overrun by ads and et cetera, et cetera. i don't i don't take it super seriously and i i definitely don't put any weight into it in terms of like oh like who's like liking my photo you know basically i feel like the more i like a photo myself that i've taken and posted probably the less likes it will get and yeah, so yeah. it's almost this kind of funny just inverse inverse thing so yeah i mean i look at a lot of books still i you know try to peruse as many bookstores as possible or go to like art book fairs or or whatever but again you know this is in the general broad context of writing and so being being social rock climbing all the time so i have all these other things going for me so are you writing a lot right now always always i mean it's 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 funny so i had a really interesting friend or a conversation with a friend um it's a bit of a recurring conversation but she she said she's like i think you're addicted to to cycling and for me addiction has a a bit of a negative connotation to it where you know you're addicted to drugs or you're addicted to usually it's a it's in combination or in reference to a vice of some sort and she she said it's not really i'm not using it in a negative it's just like i think it's something where you can't live without it and it was an interesting framing because in my mind i was like i i I can't live without it but do you, you know you and i can't probably live without photography for example there are certain things you just you become really passionate about and so i think i thread perhaps thread the needle between passion and addiction but it's i would say it's the it's been the along with photography but maybe even more than photography the thing that's given me back the most to my life and my psyche and my my sense of place and my sense of belonging in the world and my you know it's given me this amazing community in san francisco and beyond you know throughout the world with other cyclists that primarily I've met on Instagram. Um, but then we meet in person and I went to Oslo last year and met some really phenomenal folks that I would have never, ever, ever met had it not been been through Instagram. So I, I think in general, I just try to find the positives in a certain, whatever it is, Instagram, cycling, 
and, and just try to try to focus and milk those and, and stay away from more of the, the, what can happen with the negative impacts if you kind of overdo it or over overexert in any one area. So I think just balance is key. In, yeah. in some of your last posts on Instagram, you're quite honest and uh, you use it as a tool to express what you're thinking about. Whereas I think people are on Instagram always try to be as possible, uh, as positive as possible to gain some likes. So mm -hmm. is it a, is it a medium for you to be frank and honest and to communicate you as a person? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it stems from in a way my age, which is 32 and in you know in a major way my you know i started in photography in new york city it's this pretty much practically an epicenter if not the epicenter of photography in the us if not perhaps the world that is very debatable i, I don't think it's really the world but definitely in the us it's you know it's for me much more than la is the epicenter of really phenomenal photography and where there's so many shoots And there's so much activity and it's, it's, you can just kind of mainline yourself right into the photo industry there. And I went to school there, but then I moved to the other side of the world or the other side of the U S to, to Portland after I graduated. And so for me, developing, developing and building and maintaining an online community has always been really important because when I moved, when I moved away from New York, the epicenter of photography, I, I physically left it as well as kind of emotionally left it. And so I had to really turn to the internet to meet friends literally around the world. You know, this was in the days of Flickr, um, but there was so much, I mean, a lot of my successes have come, you know, in, in the early days of moving out of assisting and starting to get work and learning how to make an estimate and learning how to do file turnaround, you know, all the things you need to know how to do to be a photographer was all done in virtual communities because I was this kind of uh, early 20-something living in this pocket of the Northwest. And I think that really rooted kind of being open source and being open, just both literally and figuratively open source, you know, open source in terms of well, here, let me share an estimate with you, but also open source emotionally too, of like, these are my struggles. Like, what are your struggles right now? Like what, what I need someone to riff off of. I need, I'm, I'm here literally in the rain by myself in this corner of Oregon, um, not with many peers that are doing either what I want to do or are where I am at this current state. There are people more developed than me and less developed me, than me, but there are no one, there's no one at my level. So I think, For me, that both inspired a lot of trust in being okay to be as open as I am about, uh, you know, emotions and, you know, posting these types of things to the internet. And I understand there are people that are much more private or have don't have the interest in doing that, which is also totally fine. Um, but I have always found it both cathartic and helpful to post these things because When I was younger, those I need those were often the things I needed to hear when like things were going really badly. You know, you can only live in your head for so long at any level. You know, whether you're the best photographer in the world or you know you're you're in your first year of assisting. So I I have found it not only acceptable but really helpful and cathartic and it, hopefully inspiring or encouraging to have other people kind of hear not just like you know oh i shot for t magazine and here's like a super cool thanks um you know and be like i didn't work for three months or whatever and like i'm going crazy or you know i'm not getting paid for like you know little dinky image licenses and here's what i did to help curb that because i was sick of spending hours every month writing emails to people that weren't responding and here's this thing i tried and it worked and i want to share it with you so I, in in many ways it's still this huge i think of instagram in some ways as the extension of what as a, in a way crazier messier way like the extension of what instagram or i'm sorry what Flickr used to be or what these you know little facebook groups used to be so everything always changes but 
that's why I, I do it and that's why I'm comfortable doing it. And I'll, at, the, at the end of the day, if it helps even just a tiny, tiny, you know, handful of people, I'm very happy I did it. Um, did it have some bad effects as well? Like clients not reaching out for you being the honest person that you are? A hundred percent. I mean, I have apps, I don't have proof of it, but I have absolutely no doubt with, you know, I have 100% certainty that, um, I am not frankly buttoned up enough for certain clients and, um, that is just how it's going to be. I don't care. You know, it, it would be ultimately a total travesty if I were afraid to talk because I was, a, a, you know, I really cared more about shooting for, um, some crazy, super selective, very, um, secretive client. Uh, I'm thinking of one in particular, uh, but I, it just doesn't mean enough for me to, it, it's just not worth it. I would, I would rather, I would rather be, and this sounds like some, you know, Robin hood shit, but like, I would rather be giving back to the community or being a, a, a vocal contributor to it than hiding in my little black box, uh, because I wanted to appear a certain way or, or whatever. And, I, you know, again, like, I don't, I don't mean that as a, disrespect to people that do choose to do that it just that's that's not it's the i i i lean heavily heavily towards being more open source and um you know the world is going to be what the world is going to be and the communities will develop as they do um but that's 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 my own approach to it but i have no doubt that i i have there i've been passed over for a lot of different things because i you know talk too much talk too candidly um, I'm sure clients are afraid I'm going to, you know, I try to keep it very much within the realm of professionalism, but at the end of the day, uh, I have a hard time just keeping, <laughs> to be frank, keeping my mouth shut as if, if, if I feel like what I have to say will maybe hit a couple people pretty deeply. Yeah. Is your agent advising against it when you're speaking that openly? You know, we don't really talk about it. I think they've just, they're like, it is. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Essentially. Mm -hmm. I, I would, frankly, I did, I was once in kind of, I've only had two reps. Um, I had, I was with Julian Richards for my, you know, the first part of my kind of professional career. And then I was solo for about a year and a half or two. And then I, and you're with China. Right? Yeah. yeah. And in between that time I was talking to another rep and they were like, you are giving too much of yourself to, there was something where I was like, Hey, I can do the call at, you know, two o'clock, but at three o'clock I have a doctor appointment. So, but it won't take that long. Like I should be out by three 30 and they were like, you should just be more, a little more secretive. And I was like, we're all just fucking people. Like we are all human beings. It's like, I don't care enough to, to, I'm just, I'm telling you, I'm trying to make myself available. I'm giving you like a little bit of the context of it. If that's too much for you, I don't think we should maybe be working together. <laughs> so, you know, whoever whoever the photographer and the agent are, like, you know, they're they need to be as aligned as possible. But at, in other ways, like, you know, you can be two independent people. Like, my website looks wildly different than Giant's website, and the work I want to show versus the work Giant wants to show really satisfy two very different kind of sets of eyes and clientele and uh that is in a way you kind of i wouldn't say get the most the best of both worlds but you know giants site giants whole brand has a certain function um you know i don't really i i find it i think one of life's biggest ironies that people are now brands and you know think of themselves as such and it makes me like want to just jump off a cliff or go live in Bellinas just thinking about like people as brands. But if you want to like my quote air, huge air quotes here, but my brand is, is not built on like, um, being like, hey, here's this new thing I shot for Google voice of like, thanks for the terrific 15 days and you know, um, Spain or whatever. So, I mean, I, I think I was, I was raised to be, thankful and grateful and polite and you know i think it's always a, I, i care more about like giving a shout out to like everyone on the if it's a commercial shoot like everyone on the crew that helped make the shoot happen like i i care more about that than like 
sometimes like name dropping an agency or whatever because without all those people yeah or a client and you know without all those people like i wouldn't have anything at all yeah are people too much humble bragging nowadays (laughs) oh man i mean i think that's just case by case (laughs) but i think i think just to that point like we're as as people in the world like i think we're all pretty good at like detecting bullshit and detecting something that is meant to be genuine versus something that's like guised as genuine, but as maybe a huge humble brag. So, but you know, I think everyone's different in terms of their perception of that and what they were trying to put out in the world. What would you say? How many things you're not showing on your website that you do regularly? You know, I need 8%. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, things are, um, I'm shooting a lot of, I mean, it's twofold. I'm shooting a lot of stuff right now that I, part of the negotiating agreement is that I can't ever share it, which um, really sucks. But it's also like, that's my, Julian Richards, my first rep always said, in those situations when you're like getting paid a significant amount of money, but you know, maybe you can't show the work or you have to kind of, swallow that like you know commercial photography pill and you know he was always like listen it's a problem when this is all of the stuff you do but if look look at the money you're receiving as um freedom like look at look at your money that you're making as like freedom to go make personal work or go take a huge holiday or donate it or you know do something put it into your house like redo your bathroom um, mm. uh, speaking of personal stuff is it uh, are you doing a lot these days i wish i could do more you know going back to the whole like daniel jordy especially you know we can talk about daniel and thomas Pryor because i feel like those guys those are the people I, i look at their work and i'm like god i'm like really a i need to step it up and b like need to shoot a lot more prolifically than i am um if i stopped rock climbing and cycling and cooking and socializing i would probably be making a lot more personal work but i'm just choosing to just do all the things i just mentioned um and that that, those those really kind of fill my days and i was talking to a friend about this not only or not just just a couple days ago and i was saying how it's hard for me so much of what i'm inspired by is based off travel and exploring a really novel place with a fairly novel culture there's something has to be new i have to be reacting to something um it's really hard for me to get up out of my bed and go shoot something that you could call personal work and then like come back to my bed at night like i need to be a little bit more disrupted than that and more than anything um i've either trained myself to be this way or i am intrinsically this way but i i really love kind of the thrill of the assignment and the thrill of the challenge of being told like, Hey, there's this weird phenomenon in Oregon or Nevada or whatever. And like having being given kind of, you know, like being given an assignment, being given a challenge of like, go make something about this thing you never knew about. Um, so that said, it's, it's, it's always been a little tricky for me to go and make that work on my own because I, I've, for whatever reasons, I just, I'm not good at kind of self-starting those assignments. Um, there's one thing I, I do want to do about dune buggy racing, um, in kind of the sand. It, I met this guy, um, who basically does drag racing, but in, instead of, you know, like those long, like probably 50 foot long, I don't even know if you can call them cars. They technically have four wheels, but the the wheels are like the size of a tractor and they just blast down this. So they're, they do that, but it's in the sand, like in the desert. And so that's one thing that'd be pretty cool. But um, so anyway, I, I, I think the thing that is really doing it for me in terms of personal work is, is just shooting motion. It's uh, everything I've always been interested in capturing in a still camera has been, I mean, I often think about like, capturing the five senses but in this like soundless still image of you know taste sight smell etc uh and trying to make very sensory images even though they don't 
have any audio and they're just a snippet of a moment in time. So motion has been almost the way someone who was, uh, maybe this is too pr profound of a, of a metaphor, but like someone who was colorblind and could see color or was maybe a little hard of here, like motion has been, has allowed me the tools of in, in just the audio alone. And then the editing it's, it's been such a robust kind of almost overstimulating experience in terms of now having so many more ways to describe what I've, what I've been feeling as a photographer. Um, it, but it, it is, it's right now, to be honest, it's, it's almost overwhelming where I'm like, I'm confronted with so many choices of how I shoot the audio I record. And then ultimately really like the editing process and so much of there's, there's such a marked difference in editing for photography and sequence. I mean, sequencing a photo essay is like, child's play compared to editing anything i've worked on yeah 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 so it, i get the feeling that that um doing motion is as you said is so overwhelmingly like complicated you know yeah. i mean it's it's you, you get into it you read into it you know um yeah. but you need to rebuild like a whole new structure in your brain you know to 100%, handle it somehow yeah And even like if you're just, I, I do it in quotes now, but even if you're just directing, you know, it's yeah. so different to photography. Um, the only thing I wanted to, uh, let's come back to motion uh, in a second, but sure. um, where I wanted to go back to the personal project uh, side of things. So, um, I mean, there are different ways to approach this, but you said it's like that you have to, have to somehow give yourself assignments in order to uh do personal projects yeah um so you think i mean looking at daniel's work for example he's in a pretty artistic you know like in a pretty artistic field so he's doing this long-term projects and stuff like that that wouldn't be the case for you right um yeah that wouldn't be the case i mean i'm sure giant wouldn't like to hear this but i i just saw daniel not long ago um, he was here for the SF Art Book Fair, which was two, three weeks ago. And I mean, I I feel like we could not be in more different places right now. I feel like almost in terms of the amount of kind of commercial work I'm doing, a lot of what I'm doing is honestly, it's it's there's so many commercial clients that have um, they're just trying to get it's so much quality over quantity these days, and they're trying to jam as many shots down the pipe as possible that they there's there's so many cooks in the kitchen and there's like the cmo and the marketing director and the social media person and all they all they want you know going back to the whole thing of instagram is they need content like they don't really care there's there's less and less of a focus and a desire for quality you know, like stop you in your tracks photography and they need, that's the Instagram effect. I think a hundred percent, you know, and it's like, they look at, they're almost looking not at photography as photography, but they're looking at it as like, Oh, well I need to populate my feed, you know, our company's feed for the next like 30 days. because you have, you know, an, a post a day or whatever. And so I've been doing, you know, uh, to be totally frank, a lot of, a lot of just crazy, crazy, um, high output commercial shoots for a company that has 12 new products or a company that needs 34 new assets or whatever. It's, it's, it's this huge rush. And I think I'm, I'm hoping I'm, you know, tr my fingers are crossed right now um, that we hit, we have a bit of a whiplash and we just, we, we slam into this wall where we're like, okay, there's like just so much just tepid bullshit we're seeing. And, you know, in terms of, photography for commercial clients like nothing has meaning past its you know month or whatever um right now i mean again to be going back to everything we've said to be totally honest i am making a lot i am contributing to that kind of in terms of situationally that's like what is happening in the photo industry and you know you can you can try to fight it as much as you can but i can't go back to you know, some CMO of some fortune 500 company and be like, Oh, well, I feel like we're not really getting, you know, like pr profound images in the shoot because, you know, you want to do 25 shots in a day. 
Um, you know, and it's something that you just, at a certain point, you can't, um, you can't fight, you know, it's, it's, it's a David Goliath type thing. And I, in those cases, I'm professional and punctual. I do the shoot. I execute all their tasks. I am treat my crew really well. I make sure they get paid and are taken care of and the client's happy. And I take the best possible work I can make or I make the best possible work I can make within the, 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 the framework I have been put in, in terms of time and budget and, um, the client appears happy. And then I go ride my bike to, to basically rebalance the huge ethical balance beam in my head. Um, I, I, you know, I think I could maybe be going and taking time off to do, make person you know this i keep i daniel shea had this thing where he was like i hate the concept of personal work which i i kind of do agree with i feel like it 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 puts a bit of a moniker on like it, it kind of almost pre it, it kind of makes its own genre of photography as opposed to just being like i'm just gonna make work or or whatever it's almost a personal work for me has this almost antithetical kind of vibe of of what commercial worker editorial it's like the things i love versus the things i hate so um, does it feel I, for you know, that it, you commercialized your own vision then um yeah i mean at a certain point there's just there's going back to what you were saying about um how much work am i putting on my site in between the things i'm not allowed to ever put on my site and the things where you know you're just bustled along by just the the parameters of a of a client that wants the world for in, in two days uh because that's the budget they've decided on and you're like okay well if this is what it is i this is the best i can do for you and again you know to reiterate i i i've gotten really good feedback on the work i you know clients come back and they're like we're really really excited about this and i'm happy you know i'm happy to have been the right choice for that i'm happy i've made the best possible work i can make in those situations do you think that clients are looking more for content creators than artists nowadays? oh 100 and i think i think that's very american um the best commercial shoots i've done here are the ones with european clients or clients like art directors that are either straight up from europe that are flown here or are european by lineage and have been in the states for a while but still have a bit more of a European aesthetic to them. So I, I get very excited for the opportunities to work with, to be honest, like not to generalize, but if, if there's a European art director or creative director, I get pretty excited because I'm hoping, I'm hoping that they can bring some of their sensibilities to the crazy, you know, go, go, go American kind of brash creativity after budget, after logistics after our needs kind of a thing i don't have whatsoever a cynical viewpoint about this i think i just i have a very real viewpoint about it and i i re you know i recognize you know an apple is an apple and like it is what it is and i uh, you know in every shoot i do i still do try to push for having you know creative freedom and i think a client would be surprised i think there there's such When a project hits, you know, the inbox of Giant and I, it's it's often not in its initial stages. It's kind of like you're, <laughs> it's this massive train that's like kind of barreling into your inbox with like a creative deck and a mood board. And you kind of have to like run alongside it and try to jump into it before it takes off. <laughs> um, so it's, you know... Yeah, and so there's there's not a lot of opportunity. It's it's really hard. You'd have to literally stop the train and rejigger the whole shoot. It if you know you were to get a little bit of creativity back. I, I think that I'm thinking particularly of this shoot. I did a like a rebrand for Chobani, which is I don't know if you guys have it in in Germany. It's a yogurt company of all things. Um, And they were, I think that was one of the most, aside from my work with Rafa, which is I adore and they are phenomenal and they give me absolute creative freedom. Which um, is the closest to the passion you, you share with them. So, which yeah, is kind of, yeah, for yeah. me, that feels more like a personal project than a client work, by the way. A hundred percent. And thank you yeah. for, that's, that's awesome to hear. Um, but I mean, going back to just the Chobani 
mm-hmm. you know, that yeah. was a, a really, this woman named Lisa Sheldon, who was a, a British kind of art director, career director. And she, there was never a shot list. They didn't come to us, um, us being giant and myself with, um, we need these assets and that we've already mapped out the shot list and we have this much money and we have two days. It was like, she was like, I want, she's like, what I just was, she allowed me to be much more involved in the process. Um, and she's like, I want, these are the images I've really responded well, uh, to of yours. And I want to, I want to basically do that kind of within the framework of this new rebrand campaign. And so we kind of, collaboratively made the shot list and there was not even really a shot list it was yeah it was more it was more of a set of ideas um and a set of notions and a set of scenes but it was there was no like you know overhead with girls spooning yogurt into mouth and then side from you know and that's kind of what it is and i i i don't know if there's so much a finger to point at in terms of like am i doing should i be trying to educate every single client about like that they're not going to get as you know a potent of a of a set of at a certain point you're like well is it is this project for me or is this project for them and it's kind of like well it's in a way they're the you know they're the commissioning client and these are the needs and i can try to re in a, in a way you know metaphorically translate what they need into the way i know how to make these images but ultimately it's i've been doing a lot of 10 hour days that are squeaking into 11 hours with just like shot after shot after shot where there's not no time and no one really seems to mind it because they're getting the assets they need are clients mood boarding too much nowadays um you know i think a mood board uh, like it can really go both ways i think a mood board can be really impressive if um if it if it shows a singular vision, um, a mood board can be totally bewildering and more confusing than helpful. If there's no collective, if there's no vision at all. And I'm like, and when that happens, I'm like, wow, like you guys haven't figured anything out yet. Like you've pulled a bunch of images that are pretty, but they're not, they're not cohesive at all. They're not unified. A mood board can often often be just less helpful. Like I try to not. I'll glance at a mood board, and if it's really potent, I will I will start to really lean more heavily on it. But if I look mm. at a mood board and it's all over the place, I tend to just like close it out because I'm like, all right, this is actually probably going to be more more damaging or just bewildering than than helpful. Let us get back to motion for a second. Um, clients asking you, let's say, 50% of the time for motion aside of stills. Is that is that a number? I would, uh, you know, something like that. And, you know, I'm getting, uh, it's a lot of, I feel like clients are doing, or maybe I'm not, at, you know, I don't have such a massive, you know, I don't have a black belt in, in mm. directing yet. So I think maybe yeah. I'm not getting approached for, shoots that do have a fairly heavy motion component to that because i'm i think there's my the the motion work on my site and on giant site is still it's on the lean side i would say it's not a huge huge thing and that's something that i'm trying to not when the 5d mark or i guess the original canon 5d came out and it shot video And every, you know, it seemed like overnight, like half of photographers that were working were now directors. Um, and I just, I saw so much um, poorly focused, poorly edited, bad color grading stuff. And I, I almost, I was, I'm not even a big movie watcher, but I, I was like, this is just so kind of in a way disrespectful to people that have dedicated their lives to making motion work whether they're editors or directors or dps or colorists uh you know there's a whole a whole industry dedicated and they're passionate about it and i i didn't want to kind of prematurely jump in and i wanted to be very deliberate about it and so i did so by only doing making my own shoots and um it was a slow going process and it was a huge massive like almost whiplash inducing realization when I realized how important editing was to 
that whole you know that whole component what about sound uh sound as well for sure but i mean editing editing for is is the sound i actually feel less uh overwhelmed by but just the edit just that notion of i feel like after shooting for pretty much since i was like 15 um you know and professionally you could say since 22 or so i've gotten to be pretty just acclimated to receiving parsing through uh you know a set of photos whether it's film or digital and then deciphering what i want to say if i want to make a, a photo essay of okay how do i what are the images i want how do i sequence them what how can i make this sequencing you know lyrical and how can i say something through the editing process um and I look at motion footage and I just don't know where to start. Like it, it's, you know, there's, and I, that's something that comes with time. I'm, I'm a, I'm a baby when it comes to that. Um, and I think that also comes with, I think another thing I realized with motion is it, you need a team. You it's photography. You can easily do on your own. Like it's almost best that way in, in many ways, you know, where it's a singular approach and a singular focus. And with, with motion, you, unless you're extremely technically gifted um, in terms of understanding the equipment and how to get a smooth shot and how to pull focus, but then on the flip side, how to, you know, work premiere and do audio and, and, you know, finesse that and do color. It's, it's so complex that you just really need a group of people to help you with it. If you want to achieve something that's at a pretty high level. Uh, I saw um, on your side that you did this dance project lately, right? Yeah, so that's that's something, you know, I, I did this project about this ceramicist that was a personal project, uh, and I worked with this great editor who I I very much, I very quickly, the, the reason, you know, the same way I very quickly realized I need a bookkeeper is I'm just not a good numbers person. I very quickly realized I need an editor because I'm just, at, at this point, I'm sure it'll it'll come with time and develop, but... I, I didn't want to learn a whole new industry uh, and not even from a, an unwillingness, but from a time perspective. And I didn't want to make a poorly edited piece when I, if I could hire a professional to make a well-edited piece. So, so yeah, the, the dance project I shot, you know, it took a long time to get the, it was me and two dancers and it was, it took a while to get our schedules to, to link up. Um, and I just, it, it was, It was very just inspiring for me to if shooting that project literally like with the camera in my hands in that very moment felt the way I felt when I was shooting um, personal, you know, again, sorry, Daniel Shea, but personal work uh, when I was 23 in, in Portland and just kind of bumming around with the camera and just landing in some new weird spot and kind of having this camera as a vehicle to document it. Um, so, it's, so then you're coming back to moving images as personal projects, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I, and, and I think that's, that's, that is a, I'm a big fan of just following, um, following your, this sounds very corny, but kind of following your heart, following your whims. You know, if you want to look at my relationship with cycling, I've had so many friends that have burned out on cycling because they, they do it to the point of like just ad nauseum where they, they train too much, they get on their bike and they don't feel like being on their bike, but they have to because they're on some crazy training schedule, whatever. And I, I've been very passionately riding For pretty much my whole life but really seriously since high school um in part because if it's not something i want to do i just don't do it because it's it's important i've for me in my own mind and my own approach to things like i need to do what what i want to do um i really don't do well if i'm doing something because i feel like i need to and so so right now, like that, that passion is, is uh, less present in still photography when it comes to the notion of personal work. But uh, it's very, very, very alive when it right now with with motion because it's this new, exciting thing. Um, but it's all a big balance where I'm sure I'll I have no doubt in my mind that photography, I'll probably have another kind of renaissance with it down the line. But right now I'm just kind of doing doing where the interests are. Um, for me, because I, I have found I've always made, you know, the, the best work, um, when I'm truly just 
intrinsically wanting and desiring to be working with that medium. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that um, that clients are jumping the photographer turns director train because they want to save money? I mean, obviously they are, but um, is it is it disrupting the industry so much that you're pushing out content, even mo be it motion or stills, that uh, it's everything is just to to save some money, or is it something like that? Um, I, 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 you know, I think it'll always be about the money, and it'll always be about budget. I. I'm personally kind of, and part of why I'm essentially investing in myself to get more motion work is um, I, I'm excited about the prospect of delivering in, 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 in some sort of commercial or editorial, just a commission way, being able to deliver a kind of a unified perspective across both still and motion uh, is pretty exciting as opposed to things made by two different minds and two different sets of people with two different yeah. approaches. Um, so, you, so you're trying to, uh, to have the same vision, your unique vision, uh, 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 being it applied to, to steels in motion as well? Uh, I, would, I would say, I mean, I think, you know, as I was saying, like the, the, the elements of motion that are very exciting to me are the addition, how you can just make things feel more sensory and a little, you, can, you can make such a, a greater kind of narrative impact. Um, but that said, I think there's, I'm not trying to diminish the potency of a still image. I think a still image can be just as, as special and potent and moving. They just, they're, you know, it's, it's two different children. It's like, you know, I like them both. I don't have a favorite. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, they just, they serve different purposes. And I, for me, I'm excited to see what, how I can lean on the intrinsic kind of um, qualities of, of both mediums um, in the future for just to tell different things but under the same kind of um, aesthetic and with the same vision. Would you work with uh, DPs that you pick for shoots? I mean that's a really really good question and that's something I've been I wouldn't say struggling with but approaching kind of cautiously you know what it, kind of what we were talking about earlier about with with still photography I would imagine like Like you only, you are the sole editor of the work that you put on your website, you put in your book. You're not maybe, you're not like hiring that editing component out when it comes to still work. And so for me, it's, it's been a, it's been very jarring and it's been a big kind of trust exercise to have this vision. And for me, like, I really like being DP. I like holding the camera and I like experimenting with that. I mean, there's, definitely going to become a point where I need to work with a camera that I'm completely unfamiliar with. And I think that's when maybe ACs come in or maybe a DP, but, uh, and I think, and again, like there, there's a whole industry or there are professional people that dedicate their lives to being a DP. And I'm by no means saying I, I think I could do a better job. It's just, it's this, it's this funny transition where you're all of a sudden, you know, if you have a DP and an editor, you're kind of relinquishing it's it's a bit of control it's it's a it's control and it's also how you you specifically envision something and you're kind of handing a lot of that trust over to someone else and you know uh, my assumption is a lot of directors have kind of only been directors and a lot of dps have only been dps but it's this weird for i think a lot of photographers yeah they grew up They, 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 their career has been based on them holding the camera and it's been based on their vision and quite literally their framing, their decisive moments of when to take a photograph and their compositions and to all of a sudden um, give the physical camera, the, the apparatus you're capturing this moment with to someone else and then kind of direct that person is something I'm still... I haven't yet done, and I think when that time comes, it will just be a matter of really finding, uh, you know, it'll be kind of like dating, where you're, you know, you're like, who, who is I, am I, do I have a rapport with this person? Do we see the same way? Do, are we interested in the same things? Um, so, yeah. Okay, perfect. That was, that was up, Gene. That, that was really nice. Lovely. <laughs> It's so good to, to chat on the phone after all these years. 
yeah like knowing, yeah. knowing each other's work <laughs> yeah that's crazy and you have to you have been to berlin a couple of times right and i, have, I, I, I wasn't have, there yeah. um i would love to go back i'm actually heading to europe for three weeks on friday but i'm not really going to germany i'm going to be in london and scotland and amsterdam and then mm -hmm. uh down in the kind of french and swiss alps but i'll be I'll be close to you, but not quite oh, there. Oh, man, that's a pity. But um, hey, thank you very much. And uh, it was really nice talking to you. And uh, enjoy your morning. All right. Lovely to chat. Have a lovely evening. So that's it. That's the first episode of this podcast. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to Jake about things and um, I hope you enjoyed it too. Um, make sure that you hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to and looking forward to the next episode, which is already recorded, but in the editing process right now. So see you next week. Thank you for listening. Bye.